Our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to be reading from verses 21 to 41. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He has saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, today we remember that Jesus was crucified. We remember that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he suffered and died for our iniquities. We remember the sacrifice of our Lord with gratitude because his death gives us life and brings redemption to the world. Speak to our hearts, great Savior. In Christ's name, amen. If you know me, uh, you know that I am uh, not very good at voicemail messages. Uh, If you've ever tried to leave me a voicemail message and I haven't gotten back to you, my apologies to you. Uh, Often I will uh, walk away from my phone for a few minutes, come back, have three or four messages and four or five text messages, and sometimes I don't have the heart to just sit there and listen to them and respond uh, to all of them, but sometimes I I buckle down and sit through and, and sort through all of the messages on my phone. In many ways, there were multiple messages being sent when we look at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, this central event in the Christian story. One of those, men- one of those messages was depicted by the sign that was on the cross. Verse 26 says, And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. I don't know if you've been following the news uh, at all this week, but 
this week, the U.S. military uh, dropped a bomb in Afghanistan, and they've called it the Moab bomb, or the mother of all bombs. And if you follow the story, you'll know that this, this bomb was over 30 feet uh, long. It weighed over uh, 2,000 pounds and caused incredible destruction uh, when it was dropped. And many, having seen this happen in the news, have speculated as to what was the intent behind all of this. Sure, there was probably a, a strong military intent by what happened, but other people have wondered if there was some sort of other intent behind this. Was the U.S. in some way trying to send a message? Well, in Jesus' day, crucifixion had a very civil intent in the Roman world. It was used to execute the worst of criminals that were in society, but it was also used to send a message to everyone else. See, crucifixion was a, a public and a theatrical spectacle that was used to execute criminals and to strike fear into everyone else who passed by and who looked on. Most crucifixions would take several days. For days, a criminal would hang upon a cross, stripped naked. Those who passed by them would, would shout mockery. They would shout jeers. They would wag their heads. And eventually, after days of this, uh, one who was crucified would die of asphyxiation. They simply wouldn't have the strength to lift themselves up on the cross anymore to take a breath. Sometimes these criminals would be hung intentionally low so dogs could, wild dogs could, could feed on the wounds and vultures could pick at their flesh. It was one of the most heinous and painful ways to die ever invented by humanity. A criminal's crime would be placed on a sign above them as they hung on that cross. And in Jesus' case, the words on that sign were, the king of the Jews. It was a crime that had made the Jews furious. You see, the Jews, they, they wanted Jesus gone because of who he had claimed to be. So Pilate complied. He put this sign above the cross, not just to highlight Jesus's crime, but also in some ways to stick it to the Jews, telling them that this was their king. The tragic irony of that sign was that Jesus was the true king. He wasn't just the king of the Jews or the king of the Romans. He was the king of all creation. He was God made flesh. And he now at this moment sits at the right hand of God the Father in all of his kingship. But of course, in that moment, he didn't look like a king or at least any king that we've ever seen before, because in that moment, he was a king who was also a savior. And the message that came from him that day were the words of a savior. Verse 34, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus was raised as a Jew, so he had memorized many psalms all throughout his childhood and throughout his adulthood. Yet he chose to cry out the lamenting opening words of Psalm 
22 as his final words, at least in Mark's account in his gospel. In Psalm 22, the psalmist speaks of people mocking him and wagging their heads. He speaks of his his bones being out of joint and his strength being dried up. He speaks of pierced hands and feet, of dogs encompassing him. He speaks of his garments being divided. And these were the words in Jesus' mind as he breathed his very last breath. We certainly don't know all of the theology behind the cross. There is so much mystery about the Godhead and who was doing what and the relationship of Jesus' humanity and divinity. But what we do know is that Jesus suffered anguish beyond just the physical. He would endure this pain without any sort of relief. He bore the burden. He bore the weight of sin. He drank the full cup of God's wrath. He satisfied the demands of a just and holy God. In short, he saved us, his people, from sin and death. One scholar said the only path by which to save others was to refuse to save himself. You see, he wasn't just a king, but he was also a savior. The final message that we see really is the proclamation of the centurion. Verse 39, and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. You see, as a Roman centurion, this man would have seen countless crucifixions. Year after year, crucifixion after crucifixion, one death upon another, death after death. Yet in some way, this one was different than all the others. The gospel tells us that that day, the the afternoon was shrouded in darkness. It tells us that an earthquake, an unusual earthquake had happened in that area. And yet it wasn't those things that made the centurion proclaim this. It was the way that Jesus had breathed his last. Luke tells us that the, the centurion looked up at Jesus and said, surely this was a righteous man. Mark tells us that he looked up in Jesus and said, truly this was the Son of God. This was a really significant statement for this centurion. He was actually the first one in all of Mark's gospel to call Jesus by the title, the Son of God. And he was trained as a soldier to believe something very different. He was trained as a soldier to believe that the emperor of Rome was the actual and only deity. In fact, that term, the Son of God, was a term that was only allowed to be used of the emperor exclusively. To say it about anyone else would be treasonous and worthy of his own punishment. And yet this battle-hardened man looked into the eyes of this man who he had likely never met and said that he was the Son of God. He looked up and saw a crown of thorns and nails that had pierced hands. He saw a man laboring through his breathing. He heard the mocks and the jeers. 
And he stood there as Jesus breathed his last breath. And he declares that this was the Son of God. He is the Lord above all lords. Friends, as you look at Jesus on the cross this Good Friday, what is it that you see? Maybe you're looking at Jesus on the cross for the very first time, or maybe you've heard this story from the time that you were a child, but as you look at him tonight, what do you see? He, after all, is the King of kings, the Savior of our souls, the Son of God. May all of us look on him like that centurion with fresh eyes, looking with fresh eyes at the cross, realizing that his sacrifice, the sacrifice of the Son of God, changes everything. May we see the love that required a great cost and marvel at the goodness of our God. Let's pray.